All glory be to Christ. Take your copy of the scripture, if you will, and turn to the gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 26, Matthew chapter 26, as we look at God's word together today. And it is in one of those moments like it, it's very difficult because you've just finished Christmas, and you're getting ready to start a new year, just like Nugent said a few moments ago. It's kind of that strange time of year, right? It's like uh, you have a little time off, and some of us have enjoyed that, but yet there are also things that you just feel like you got to be doing as well. One of the things that I enjoy about this time, obviously, is to have all the different folks from family and friends who get to come up and join us on these holidays. Nuge mentioned a moment ago about his parents being here. I'm grateful for them and grateful for some of you all who've got family members here as well. I know some of our folks are out, but we get to invite certain family members back and we get to rejoice with them. So I got to see some of you all this morning. I'm grateful that you are here. I'm grateful because I have a couple of friends here from Zachary, Louisiana. I don't know if you've ever heard of Zachary, but I have a couple of friends who are here, uh, Wayne and Debbie McElroy. Debbie McElroy worked in the office when I was there and helped kind of keep me going in the right direction. And her husband, Wayne, was uh, my deacon chairman and also was chairman of one of our building committees when we built a new youth facility. And, and uh, so we kind of were in the trenches together. Would you say that a time or two? If you ever go through a building process, and some of you have, you know you need some friends somewhere. Because it would be a difficult thing. And uh, so I am grateful to have them here with us. Uh, thinking about moving to Ruston? Could I prevail upon you? I got a bunch of people here and talk to you about it afterwards. I, I've told people there are certain ones I'd love to have from Zachary and certain ones I'd love to leave in Zachary, okay? <laughs> Y'all, I'd like to talk into to moving and being up here. But anyway, it's grateful to see you all. Hey, I want to make one more announcement because this is awesome what the Lord has done, what he has continued to bless us with. And that is through our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Through our Lottie Moon Christmas offering to date, well, before we took the offering this morning, at least before that, we had received over $173,000 for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Our goal was 150. God just exceeded our expectations and, and gave more. And I remind us every time, okay? I, I remind us every time, and I know you get tired of me saying this, but I feel like we've got to because we want to make sure that we don't receive the credit and the glory for this. We need to make sure that God receives the credit and glory for it. Because you and I could not have given faithfully unless God had given to us. And he has blessed us immensely so that we could turn around and give appropriately. So I want to thank you as a church, but I also want to thank the Lord for his blessing. And we'll have more to uh, talk about in the next few weeks about that. But we are grateful to him this day. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. As we come to the end of the year, and as we uh, really conclude this year-long theme of making our lives count, making our life count, whatever life that God has given us, the purpose he's given us of making it count for the kingdom. And you see all kind of people through the scripture, Old New Testament, who God chose for a specific moment, a specific season, and they made their lives count. They were obedient to the Lord. The Lord used them for his work. But there is no other life, as I've said. There is no other life like the life of Jesus. It is the life of Jesus 
that makes all the difference in the world. The life of Jesus is the reason that we're here today. It is the reason that we come into this facility. It is the reason we have very breath in our lungs. It is because of Jesus and what he has done for us. Now, over the last few weeks, we've talked much about his actions, his words. We've talked about his roles. I don't know if you've really noted this, but we've talked about the different functions, the different jobs, the different roles that Jesus had when he was here on this earth. Theologians, for example, have categorized some of these before. They have identified Jesus rightfully as the king. And he came to rule and establish the kingdom. We spoke of this last week. We gathered together talking about the birth of the king. He is the king. And we are part of his kingdom. That is the emphasis in the gospel of Matthew. But also, Jesus came, as theologians have reminded us, to be the prophet. Now, he was unlike any other prophet because he was coming to speak in his own authority. Because he was divine. He was God. But he came to declare to us the words of God, and he came with the teachings and the instruction of what God intended for our lives. Today, we move into that last category that theologians have given us, and that is Jesus coming to fulfill the work of a priest, coming to, in so many ways, offer for us exactly what we needed before God. I want you to see this, Matthew chapter 26 Beginning in verse 26, as he joins his disciples, his family, for the Lord's Supper. This is what the scripture says, the way Matthew gives it to us. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is... My blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So here's Jesus gathering with his disciples. The feast of the unleavened bread had begun. That feast lasted some seven to eight days. And one of those days, they would recognize the Passover. The Unleavened Bread Festival, of course, was associated with the exodus of the Jews out of Egypt. They were celebrating what God had done by providing them a deliverance. Through the Feast of the Unleavened Bread and through the Passover event itself, they were celebrating what God had done, the freedom that God had given. And they would prepare themselves. Oh, they would prepare themselves for this great celebration. They, they would come to Jerusalem. So many of them would. The, the population of Jerusalem would absolutely swell. There would be people from all types of areas that would flood into Jerusalem to celebrate what God had done and to celebrate what God continued to do and to look with hope for God's work in their lives. They would come into Jerusalem. Could you imagine just all these different people just flooding in to the city. There wasn't much of a room left. There, there wasn't much of a place where you could go into a restaurant anymore. There wasn't a place where you could, you, you could go and just find rest or relief because there were so many people that had come 
to worship. Well, that first day, after all the cleaning, oh, by the way, there was a lot of cleaning of the houses. I, I was looking at that and studying this a little bit. And they would clean the houses to make sure there was no leaven, everything was okay. I mean, they would do it for weeks. feel like when people come to visit you at Christmas, right? Aren't you, some of you proud it's over with? <laughs> cleaning is done. Who cares anymore? You know? But they would clean, they would get ready, they would prepare themselves, and then that first day would come. And basically, each family would take a year old lamb, spotless, without blemish. And there would be a representative from each family that would go down to the temple with that lamb, and they would offer that lamb, they would slaughter that lamb, and they would drain the blood into a basin that would be held by the priest. And after they would do that, they would take the fat and they would take the kidneys and they would burn that as an offering before God. And then they would bring it back, what was left, and they would take the blood, obviously, and they would place it on the doorpost and upon the lintel, and they would prepare the rest of the lamb for this meal, along with the bitter herbs, which would represent the bitterness of the slavery that the Jews had experienced there in Egypt. And they would also take unleavened bread, which would remind them of the haste with which they had to leave Egypt. They had to bake their bread quickly so they could, they could get out. And they would take the wine. And here's Jesus celebrating this feast, literally going into the Passover moment, and he brings in his family. I say that because this was a family meal. It was kind of like you would, you would gather with your family, maybe extended family, and a father or a grandfather would preside, and they would bring them in. It would just be like the family, uh, an intimate type of setting. And for Jesus, who would be his family? Those disciples. Those he had been with for 33 and a half years. You know, I think about that even around this time of the year that I am grateful that God has blessed me with a biological family, a physical family. I am grateful. I still call my mom and dad pretty often, because if I don't, I hear about it. I love them, and I love my siblings, even though they can frustrate me to death. Any of you give me a testimony today? I love my family, and I am grateful that I get opportunities to go back to North Mississippi and to see them. But over the years as well, Leslie and I have realized that God puts other people into our lives who are like family. Uh, and they, he's always done that. Whether we were at Pine Grove and Picayune, or whether we were at First Baptist Church of Zachary, or whether we've been here at Temple Baptist Church, it's like there are fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, that become like a family. And, and let me just digress a moment here, okay? You and I, we need family, and we need a church family. It's not a place just to show up on Sunday morning and to sing a few songs and to hear a preacher do quite well. <laughs> it is not for you to come and to simply do that. It is for you to come and find a place of connection and belonging. It is a place where you can look at your brother and sister in Christ and serve together with them it is for you to encourage one another and to challenge one another. 
Oh, the body of Christ is so much more than just an hour on Sunday morning. And here's Jesus who has come, and his family, he had already declared to those who would do his will and be obedient to him. He's already told us that in the scripture. But here he is gathering with them. Now, this is where I want to see the priesthood, because some of you are looking at me like, what in the world, how are you going to transition to this idea of Jesus being the priest here this night? Well, I want you to just for a moment consider with me the role of a priest. What would the priests do in the Old Testament? What would the priests do during the New Testament age? The priests basically would relate God to man and man to God. Simply spoken, the priest would somehow be that bridge in the relationship between God and man and man and God. He was the representative, if you want to call him that. And when I look at this passage, as I think of the life of Jesus, as I think of his role as priest, I recognize that Jesus, as our high priest, he is the representative. He's sitting here with these guys. He's enjoying a meal. The scripture says, after they, are, after they have eaten together, after they've had this meal. In other words, here is the God-man sitting at this table reclining and sharing the very nature of the kingdom, the very nature of what a king is with them in this very intimate moment. What did we just celebrate? We celebrated Christmas. We celebrated the birth of Jesus. But remember one of his names, one of the titles that we have assigned because the scripture assigns this title to him is the title Emmanuel. It means what? God with us. That means that God came to live on this earth to be with us, to be like us, to be among us, to be incarnate, to take on flesh itself. We've just celebrated the idea that God sent his representative to us and that he himself was God. And here he is, again, celebrating this very intimate family moment. And these disciples who are gathered around, yes, with their friend, are in the very presence of God. It just blows my mind. It, it blows my mind. It gives me a great picture of the God-man, the God, the one who is fully divine, sitting around eating. Can you, can you imagine this? Could you imagine sitting there in a meal and God is supping with you? God is fellowshipping with you. God is having a meal with you. Because here he is in human flesh, representing God to those disciples. Being God, in very essence, is God before those disciples. This Jesus, as our priest, is the representative. He is the representative of God to us, but he is also the representative of us to God because he is fully human and he can speak upon our behalf to the God of the universe. Uh, let, let's think for a moment, just for a moment, about like conflict management. Any of you ever experienced conflict before? Getting ready in 2019? 
Yes. Whether it's in the family, whether it's in the workplace, can, could, could you imagine trying to resolve that in the church? In the church. There's always some type of conflict when you put two individuals together, maybe three or four individuals. There, there's some type of conflict that can come. You know, it's often nice to have a peacemaker somewhere. Like if there's something that is going on between two individuals, it's nice to have a peacemaker that can talk to both individuals. Yes? I think you're still asleep from Christmas a little bit. It's, it's nice to have somebody, especially somebody that has some type of relationship with each one. Like, like if there's something going on and there are two of our folks that may be having issues, it's nice to have a friend of both to be able to try to intercede. Somebody that's got something in common. They've shared something together. They've, they've been through certain ministry points together. Maybe they taught together in the Sunday school years ago. Maybe, I don't know, but somehow they have some connection point. And to have that peacemaker to be able to go and like talk to that person and then talk to that person and that and those individuals kind of listen it's great to have those people one of the reasons Jesus said blessed are the peacemakers do you realize that Jesus was the peacemaker for us and obviously he is God so he has that relationship with the father there and he is human, so that means he also has some type of relationship with us on this side. So he relates to God, and he relates to humanity, and he's able to bring the two together. Because he's a representative of both. He is the high priest, he is the priest, that brings us together. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says that there is one mediator between God and man. The man, Jesus Christ. So he is the priest who represents humanity and represents God. And you see it to me, just as he's eating here with these guys. You see his deity and you see his humanity in this passage. But go on, little father. Because he is not only our representative... He is actually our replacement. Jesus said, so he's taking the bread, blessing it, and so he's giving it out. He says, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant. So what Jesus is going to say here is, I am the sacrifice itself. You're going to be able to understand this better tomorrow because tomorrow will come the moment of true substitution and sacrifice. But I want you to hear now, Jesus said, that as we're celebrating the Passover, as we are, as we are eating and drinking, celebrating what God has done, I myself will be the replacement for you. Now this is so much better than any other priest that you will find. Because I told you the priest, their primary role is to relate God to man and man to God. So here they are, they go and what do they do? They take with them like offerings. 
and they present it to God. Maybe they take the blood of the Passover lamb and they present it to God for the sins of the people. Or maybe it's the daily sacrifices that they would take in. Whether it be a bull or a goat or a lamb, whatever it was, they would have to have this object that they would take in under the sacrificial system and offer to God. Jesus said this, I don't have to take anything in with me. I don't need a bull. I don't need a goat. Don't need a lamb. I am the sacrifice. I am the sacrifice. Now get this. The offering, the sacrifice, was given to bring forgiveness to the nation and to the people. There, there, was, there was offering made to God in order to bring some type of reconciliation and redemption to the people. So the offering and the blood of the offering was necessary for forgiveness. Remember what the scripture says? There is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. That's what the scripture says. Jesus said, I'm going to take care of that once and for all. Just as that offering was the substitute, the replacement for you or for your sins. I am going to go on your behalf to the Father. I'm going to offer myself, my body and my blood. I'm going to offer it to him. I am going to serve, if you will, as your replacement. Think of the Passover lamb for a moment again. We connect it back to the book of Exodus. I think some of y'all, John, I think in the youth, y'all are going to, y'all are in Exodus, starting to work through it some more. In the book of Exodus, you remember Pharaoh had hardened his heart over and over and over against God. So, God would send plague upon plague upon plague. And Pharaoh seemed to harden himself even more and rebel against the God of heaven. So, God finally said, I've had it. I am working in this final plague in order to release my people from their bondage. And what happened was that night, the death angel came. But the Hebrews, they were prepared because God had spoken to them. And God said, now, now they had to act in obedience. They had to show faith. It wasn't just because they were Hebrew. They could have still lost their life even though they had identified with the ethnicity. They had to show faith and obedience by by slaughtering the lamb, taking its blood, and placing it on the doorframe so that when the death angel would come, they would look and they would see that the blood had already been shed and the death angel would pass over. Death would not come to that household. They had been spared. The Passover lamb was the replacement was the sacrifice. It was there so that they would not have to experience death in their homes. And you see why they would celebrate this every year. Because God would use this to bring about their freedom. Because once the wail and the cry of Egypt went up, 
into the heavens, Pharaoh finally yielded and allowed the people to leave. The Passover lamb. Jesus is our Passover lamb. He was the priest that went in as our representative, but he also was our replacement. See, every one of us in this place deserve death, hell, and the grave itself. Everybody does. What does the scripture say? The wages of sin is death. So it means every one of us. Every one of us should die because of our sins, and every one of us should spend an eternity in a place called hell. But God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to represent him, himself to us and us to him, but also to be our replacement so we would not have to know what the second death was like. The people of Israel, they were given freedom. You and I, we have been given much freedom. He has brought forgiveness. Because when Jesus went to that cross, when he willingly offered himself, he took upon the sins of the world. He took upon my sin and your sin. And my punishment fell upon him. But in reaching across that cross, what he did was he united God and humanity with a glorious salvation that we could not even begin to tell or retell. You know, often I think about that old guy named Barabbas. Remember him? So he's saying, oh, Reggie, you already getting Easter, man. But you remember, as Pontius Pilate, as he gave the crowd the option of this one Jesus labeled the king of the Jews or Barabbas, they cried out for the release of Barabbas. Give us the one who is guilty of insurrection and treason. Give us Barabbas. Pontius Pilate yielded and asked again the crowd, what was he to do with this one, the king of the Jews? They responded, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. I wondered if Barabbas ever thought about how God had spared him in some way and how Jesus literally had become his replacement. I wonder if he ever marveled over that or looked back. I don't know. The scripture doesn't tell us. I have no clue. But I wonder if there were ever days when he just thought, you know, that should have been me on that cross. But this man named Jesus, he took my place. And now I am free. I don't know how he would have responded, but I know how we should respond. Because when the crowd called out that day and cried out that day, and when Barabbas was released, in so many ways, you and I were released 
because Jesus took our place. He was the representative for us. He was the replacement for us. I, I do want to read what the writer of Hebrews says. Man, I don't know. I should preach the whole book of Hebrews, even today. Don't you? I, All of you stayed around. I'm proud of you. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. The book of Hebrews tells us how superior Christ is to everything else, even the priesthood. This is what the writer of Hebrews, he says, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man... After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. In other words, Jesus was our replacement. He provided for us the sacrifice. And get this, there never has to be another sacrifice because the sacrifice of Christ was sufficient for all time. Never again did priests have to enter into the Holy of Holies. Never again would the blood of goats or bulls be necessary. But now the blood of the Lord Jesus, this is my blood, he says. This blood is enough to save us from our sins. He is our replacement. He is our substitute. And oh, how we should respond in worship. Him. Let me just give you this last, and that is he himself is our relationship. I want you to see this because he says, this is the blood of the new covenant. The word covenant is the idea of an agreement. It is the idea of two parties coming together and forming some type of relationship. I often prefer the word relationship when I look at the word covenant. Now, the word covenant Again, can be translated in different ways. The Latin, they translated it testament, right? So think of it. The old covenant, or what we call the Old Testament, and then the new covenant, or what we call the New Testament. I might would say in some ways, you could look at the old relationship and the new relationship. Now, God was always God, and God always responded in grace, and he responded to faith. He always did that. There wasn't the law of the Old Testament and faith in the new. No, God always expected faith, no matter which side of Jesus and his life you lived on. But when Jesus came, he gave us a new idea of relationship, a new covenant. Again, it was not sealed with the blood of goats, bulls lambs. It now has been sealed by the blood of the Son of God himself. He says, this is a new relationship, a new covenant, a new way in which to relate to God himself. Certainly it responds to Exodus 24, 8, corresponds to that verse, but yet it also says something about this new relationship that God is dealing with us now in. And this is it. If Jesus paid for our sins, and we've come by faith and accepted it, and said, okay, we believe Jesus was who he said he was. We believe that he died on the cross. We believe 
that he rose the third day. We believe that, but not just here intellectually. We don't just assent to that knowledge. We have committed our hearts and lives to that in faith and trust. And we want him to be our Lord. That blood of Christ is appropriated to our lives in truth. And we have a relationship with God that can never be broken, that can never be severed. A relationship that is in Jesus himself. Because I want you to hear this. Jesus is the relationship. Jesus is the everything of who we are. The new covenant, the new agreement, the new relationships, Jesus. Again, the writer of Hebrews, again in chapter 10, verse 15 says, But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and their, in their minds. I will write them. That is a quote from Jeremiah. And then he adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. There are a lot of things in 2018 I, I'm proud God has put under his blood and I don't have to remember, he doesn't have to remember anymore. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin, he says. There's a new covenant. There's a new relationship. And you and I have entered into that. Again, I love relationships. You've heard me say that I think the greatest earthly gift that God gives us here really is found in relationships. All the other stuff, it's nothing like the relationships he gives us that we can enjoy with one another. But there is one relationship that is greater than any other. And that is the relationship that we can have with God through his son, the Lord Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10 goes on. Therefore, brethren having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the nature of some, but exhorting one another and so much more. As you see the day approaching. He's allowed us to experience this relationship here. But it is a relationship for all eternity. Hey, what, what did he say? What did he say to those disciples that night? That family moment that they had? What did he say to them? He said, I'm not going to drink of this cup anymore with you. Until. Until. One day. When I drink it with you. In my Father's kingdom. <sighs> this relationship that we have with Jesus is one that we can count on for all of eternity. And one of these days, listen, one of these days, the high priest who was our representative, who was our replacement, who is the relationship for us, one of these days we're going to be able to sit down with him once again. And fellowship and sup. And recognize him as the God of all gods. 
as the Lord of all lords, as the priest of all priests and the kings of, king of all kings. Because we have been saved by him through his priestly work. Let me ask this. We're about to take the Lord's Supper. And I pray this gives you added meaning as you approach this table today. Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? We ask those who are saved to join us at this table because we believe only those who have accepted Christ and know Him can really understand the significance of its symbolism of the bread, His body, of the juice, His blood. Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you have, listen, if you have, isn't it a moment to celebrate the freedom and the forgiveness that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ? Because he did for us what we could never do for ourselves. Would you join me in a moment of commitment and invitation? For those who need to be saved, I'm here. For those who just need to rejoice during a moment of commitment, I'm here. You can rejoice where you are, whatever God leads you to do during this moment of invitation. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. We praise you because, God, you have done something by sending your son on our behalf to do something that we could have never done for ourselves. And, God, we thank you that he served as our high priest. Well, here on earth and in so many ways, he still makes intercession for us today. And that his blood, which was sufficient, continues to be sufficient for us. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this place, those of us who are saved, that we will reflect upon this. And yes, Lord, we will encourage one another, just as your word says, that in 2019, Lord, we would seek you in that relationship. We treasure it. Father, those who are lost in this place, I pray you'd save them. Help them follow you. We pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?